0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Shalom and welcome back to Aisha Torah, a practical spirituality series overlooking the Temple Mount. Would um, someone be so kind as to erase this board? Yeah. Well, that was an anticlimactic uh, beginning to this live feed, but uh, we, what we're talking about right now is uh, mind expansion. The one thing I need is some water. Is there any water in there? Just because of rings doesn't mean you've got to answer. So I'm on the three-strike roll. One strikes, your phone's on. Two strikes, you answer. And three strikes. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Kav. Thank you. You can close the door. This this guy was handling my, uh, my like, live online presence. He says that yeah, the first three seconds of your class have to be the best, or else they just skip it as they're... Going down. How, how do you think my first three seconds have been so far? I don't think I followed the first three-second rule today. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, we, be- we began yesterday the topic of mind expansion. And um, what we spoke about, just to catch you up a little bit, is that is a couple things. One of them is that What's up, Troy? Sit next to this dude over here in the middle middle row there. So one of the things we spoke about was how how the that God can only speak through you because you are like this. You're the the end of the USB cable of God is your consciousness, and when you have constricted consciousness not so much comes through you you don't have a lot of intuition you're more likely to get an accident or stub your toe or whatever you're just you know you're just not when you're in that constricted place you're you're not in your game and when you're in an expanded consciousness so your intuition's stronger and and you're more likely to experience um experience something spiritual but it really requires it you can't really have spirituality with a contracted consciousness Now, that's kind of interesting for us because a lot of us pray every day. Uh, For example, I pray three times a day. And here I'm, why am I praying? Well, there's various reasons why, but one of the things I want to happen there is is there should be a connective moment. It should be something connective and something spiritual should have taken place. Well, that's going to require me to be in expanded consciousness. And I can't always do that. I mean, uh, first of all, not everyone's a morning person. Caffeine is very important for prayer, and uh, for someone who's not a morning person, he should definitely pump himself up with caffeine. Now, there may be someone who said, "Well, I don't really do coffee, right? I don't really, uh, you know, like it's just not my thing. I, I don't drink kaf- I don't drink coffee." And but if he's an observant Jew who prays in the morning, like the rest of the observant Jews do, well, he doesn't have much of a choice, does he? Because <laughs> unless he's just going to throw out every shachris for the rest of the year. If your mind's not in an expanded place... By the way, there are morning people. My wife's a morning person. She wakes up, she's just like... She's more expansive in the day than she is at night. I'm more expansive at night than I am in the day. Let's just get a poll here. You're more expansive in the morning or at night? Raise your hand for morning. One. Raise your hand for night. (laughs) The majority of us. But but that's also because since electricity. I mean, if I asked you this question, pre-electricity, because now we're all totally confused. You know, like what's going on because we're creating day at night so it could be some of us are morning people but uh i am i am not a morning person and so you know it's funny my rebbe used to always say that 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 he that anyone who hasn't drunk a cup of coffee has never davened now he was i was in the room when he would say that and i didn't drink coffee before i davened because uh, many years ago i my digestion had gotten linked when i was 10 years old my digestion had gotten linked is your phone off this time please I found the cell phone in the old oh good for you see you never know you never know but i don't speak so i don't know oh no give it to the guard give it to the guard he'll answer yeah, he's great. He'll do anything. I mean, you can give him 100 bucks and leave it for someone who's coming in a week, he'll do it. Really, give it to a guy. Just tell him you found it and someone's going to call. If he Go back later and see if he gave it. Anyway, um, I hadn't had coffee ever before prayer. I hadn't had coffee in years because my digestive tract when I was 10 years old got linked to an embarrassing moment that I had when I was 10. And that embarrassing moment caused me to have a tremendous fear of public you know, being around people. And uh, and it was directly linked to my digestion. Now, I mean, good luck not being around people. Like, how do you do that? You know, move to a cave, like uh, live under a bridge. You know, like, what are you going to do? And, and when you're in school as a kid, you know, well, I, I did drop out of school at 11. That was one move. But I I made many others as well. But it didn't help. Wherever I went, there were people. Like, wherever you go, there they are. And so, anyway, but my digestion was horrific. A cup of coffee would have been like, I mean, I might as well just already hook myself up to an IV unit and put myself in the hospital for the cup of coffee. Because it's going to kill me. And so my rebbe used to always say, and I'd been observant for years, praying every morning. And the rebbe said that no cup of coffee, you didn't dive it. But I couldn't drink a cup of coffee. Anyway, I, my digestion was healed at 33 right before surgery. I was slated to have my colon removed uh, when I finally realized the 10-year-old story. And I realized, oh, my gosh, this is totally emotional. Nothing to do with my, I don't have an issue with my digestion. I have an issue with connecting. Like I have my digestion linked with an embarrassing moment in my life. And, that now, and because it was public, public has become what kills my digestion. But really, I can unlink that. And I did. And I created a whole seminar around it. So, like, I've been running a seminar for 17 years with 8,000 graduates now called The Possible You, all built, and healing many, many people. You know, 8,000 people have been through it. Healing many people just because of my digestion. So, in a way, that embarrassing moment was the best thing that ever happened to a lot of people. Meaning that you never know when someone's in a story that's horrific. Had you seen, had you watched a movie and seen me at 10, there wouldn't be a dry hi- eye in the house. Everyone would be crying their eyes out. Your popcorn would get extra salt at the movie from your, from your tears. And, and, but in the end, it was, it was a blessing. Even though I really went through hell for 23 years. I mean, it was a rough time. Um, so check this out. So my digestion heals. So now I can drink anything, eat anything. I'm like, fine. So I had my first cup of coffee before Shachris, before the morning service. Whoa. Oh my gosh! I realized I had never prayed before in the morning till I had that cup of coffee, and ever since then it's like I'm not, I'm not, I don't even think about praying before my cup of coffee, and the uh, it's just amazing what what caffeine does, and the and the I go to a prayer group that's. Uh, that does ecstatic prayer at the top of their lungs. It's an alternative prayer group. You guys ever been to an alternative prayer group? You've stopped by mine. Yeah, you ever been to mine? Coming my, to this Saturday. Yeah, you're coming this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. My wife said yes. By the way. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so, the, so I'm part of an alternative prayer group that prays at the top of their lungs. It's called Pinsk Karleen, and is that like those people that Yeah, they're Carliners. They do a kind of a fast version of it, but loud. And we do a slow version, lab. Anyway, but you'll notice that the men keep, keep loading back up on caffeine. And then I found out subsequently that caffeine was never even used at all, except by people who lived in the Amazon. And what, how did they use it? They didn't use it because they're trying to get up in the morning after eating too many Twinkies at night. They, <laughs> they used it because they used it for ceremonies they would use it not to stay awake at the ceremonies, meaning it was a caffeine ceremony. It was a, it was a, uh, coffee bean experience ceremony where people would, with a shaman, shaman's a medicine chief would administer to the circle, everyone with instruments and and would go into these states of mind to ecstatic states of mind via the caffeine. Now, like a lot of ancient traditions. Oh, by the way, uh, Chocolate is also a mind-altering drug. And hence, you know, there's such things as chocolate addicts and stuff, which I'm not at all. But there are <laughs> chocolate a- addicts out there. And it uh, turns out that that was ceremonial. Chocolate was not a food. Chocolate was part of a ceremony, a mind-altering ceremony with the instruments in the dark in the rainforest. And people would excuse me for getting dressed in here. The, um, I don't know what's going on here. I think of an addled notch or something. <laughs> Say so my shirt keeps getting untucked today anyway um, they would they would have chocolate ceremonies to expand their consciousness in the forest to have a connection to god and interestingly, unlike a lot of Aboriginal cultures which are more idolatrous, um, the Amazon people are not idolatrous they 're into God now there are witches you got to watch out for the witches. there are witches and warlocks and stuff there 's definitely witchcraft. But the but the medicine chiefs are not witches and they're not warlocks. They are they are really into God and you'd be shocked. I've gotten to sit down with some of these people just on panels as a rabbi, and they're, they're as into God as we are, and they and they have laws and stuff. Boy, were they shocked when they found out a menstruant can actually serve you food? You know, because some of these guys go really hungry when their wives are at that part of the month, the because uh, they because they do not touch any food products while. Uh, you know, well, while well menstruating. And, uh, they have a lot of different laws, but they're totally into God. These people now, do they, do you think they are in touch with deities? What do you think on all their night ceremonies on all these different things you find in the Amazon? What do you think? Deities? Deities are, uh, uh, powers out there. Not God, not God. Deities. Yeah. They think they're into deities? You bet they're into deities. They're big time into DT's. Why? Because when you're messing around in their ceremonies, there are a lot of those DT's that aren't as friendly as you might think. Some of those DT's have pointed ears and fangs. And they're not exactly happy that humans are hanging around. Now, they've got ceremonies that can send you right up to those realms. And on caffeine, or on chocolate, or on other things. I don't know what else they got, but they got stuff. And... The deities aren't so happy you you stop by. Human beings usually aren't hanging around those areas. So they have to know about deities because they got to protect the people in the ceremony, not to mention themselves. And how they protect them is with with uh, various things. One of the things which is really bizarre to me, I mean, to me, when I watch them, I've seen some like National Geographic videos. uh, To me, it seems a little strange, but one of the things is they have a tobacco, which is not our tobacco. We also ruin that. Tobacco is also ceremonial. And no Native American ever inhaled it. It's poisonous. Tobacco is poisonous for the lungs. It kills people. So no Native American ever would inhale tobacco. Some of them think, some of them actually feel like it's God's sweet revenge or sour revenge, meaning cancer, lung cancer, that it's God's revenge on white man. Yeah. Yeah. Because the white man moved in there, completely demolishes cultures that have been around for thousands of years that are God people. And they come in the name of JC, you know, Mr. You know, the, the, who died for our sins, you know, no greater sin was done than his own followers who went and ransacked God-fearing people throughout the, the Americas, North, and South, Central. And they, they, they just wreaked total havoc and destroyed cultures that can never be found again. And, uh, and, and the scariest thing about all their wipeout was the majority of the deaths were not just the murders from all the horrible wars they fought to take land, to just haul more stuff back to Europe. They, um, they actually, the majority of the deaths were from venereal diseases because people who live in the jungles are much healthier people. They don't have our illnesses, whereas societal people have lots of diseases, as you know, and lots of hospitals, and, and, uh, and, they, uh, and they imported the diseases, most of which were STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, and wiped out gigantic you know, whole areas of population just through sexually transmitted diseases. Now, of course, they take a ceremonial thing like tobacco, which is a total Amazon ceremonial thing, and the Westerners just going to inhale it. They're going to take their chocolate and they're going to make Hershey bars. They're going to take their their um, they're going to take their caffeine and turn it into Starbucks to to somehow to somehow compensate for a ridiculous diet that they have to burn down rainforest anyway for, which the rainforest is the lungs of the planet earth. They're going to burn down rainforest so that some poor guy who's really malnourished from overeating $1 hamburgers at McDonald's because they need more grazing land. They're going to knock out a bunch of forest and create just grazing land so that some guy can buy a burger for a buck. And then of course he needs caffeine because he wakes up in the morning drugged from having overeaten $1 burgers all night. And he wakes up like, how, how else are you going to wake up? Like that? Like last night, I had the munchies last night. Not going to lie. I was hungry when I got home. I was running. I'd worked a seminar for hours and hours. Then I did private counseling till 1 a.m. I finally get home starving. What am I going to eat at 1 in the morning that's not going to rot in my stomach for seven hours? The answer is fruit. Because fruit digests within a half hour, and so and so by the time you brush your teeth and you set up the water and the, and we set up water. And we have a special washing in the morning. But by the time you've done all that and you got in your pajamas and you're finally in bed and you read a little chapter of something and you said Shema, it's been about a half hour, and you wake up feeling great, which is how we're supposed to live. But but instead we've got you know we've got. We've got jungle ceremonial stuff just being like consumed by Westerners and they're inhaling the tobacco and then, and then dying when no one ever inhaled tobacco. Tobacco is, is not supposed to be in the lungs of a human being. And the uh, anyway, but if you watch National Geographic, one of the ways they deal with the, the deities who are not so friendly is they blow they blow tobacco on the, Um, whatever it is they're doing the ceremony over so they're so they're literally like here's the chocolate which is called cacao and they're they've got you know the cacao is probably melting in a pot in front of some guy with a bone through his nose and uh you know and all the people surrounding with lights you know candles and uh but he's smoking his tobacco like inhaling it only in the mouth not in the lungs just going and then blowing it onto the chocolate to just purify it now when i watch like this guy needs like a little like a little chemistry lesson that to let him know that tobacco just is not going to help You know, but Who am I? Who am I? I mean these people thousands of years running these ceremonies and and uh, and people are attacked by negative Forces and I actually interviewed a guy from New York Who said that he was in the middle of being attacked in the Amazon by negative forces in one of these such ceremonies you know, this is like uh, the rich and famous today, like go to the Amazon for these things. <laughs> you you got to be like running a major hedge fund to do this, you know, but they, but there is, it's become like, you know how like wealthy people have to, they have like the, their big bucket list of all the things they got to do before they die. So like the most popular one in the last few years is these trips to the rainforest where you go in these like all inclusive trips into the jungle. And, and let the shaman just pour you his brew, you know, whatever is going to go on there. Anyway, But this guy was genuinely being attacked. And he was starting to convulse and stuff. And he was going into seizures and stuff. And he was, the dark side was on him, you know, big time. And he, I mean, he just wasn't welcome there, probably because he was Jewish. I Meaning, what the hell are you doing down there in the first place, Jew? You know, so anyway, anyway but he's telling me this. And he's in a room with 30 men in the room. Meaning, other wealthy businessmen—they're all in the room together—and and, and what happened was—and this is pitch black. Meaning, no one should be knowing what he's going through, and you're—it's in silence. So he's basically in silence, and he says, "All of a sudden, when he was really in, in in trouble, all of a sudden the the leader, the medicine chief with the bone in his nose, comes with uh, with leaves that he's shaking." <laughs> And brings him by his head and starts shaking him vigorously right by his head. And, and he just watches the forces that came to get him. He just watches the forces come to get him. Just go like, and he was back to like whatever place he was that he was not welcome in. And he was suddenly okay to be there for a while. And, and so meaning how did the medicine chief know with 30 men in the room that this is the guy who needs the leave shaken and knock out the dark side? what was interesting about that story was I was learning uh, I was learning some Zohar, which is Kabbalah. I was learning the Zohar on the four species that we shake, the cosmic vegetation that we shake. And it turns out that that the long palm frond, which has a loose tip up there, is that you have to take that loose tip there and shake it in six directions. But you've got to make some noise with it. You know, it's gonna be you know, in all the directions. And you're always bringing it back to center, so it's really seven, because you're always taking it back to the center, which is the seventh dimension. That Shabbat. You know, that's the inner part of a, of the Jewish star, which is the perfect form. The Jewish star is the, like, like, ultimate primary shape, if you know about fractals and things like that. So the, um, and by the way, if you fold in all the star, if you fold in a Jewish star, Star of David, it perfectly fits in that uh, sexagon, hex, hexagon? Is that a hexagon? Six sides? It perfectly fits in the hexagon. Meaning those those are actually unfoldings from an, from within. So if you're actually folding, you would think they overlap. They, there's no overlap. If you have a perfect uh, star... <laughs> <laughs> you're about to see my drawing. is not going to come out so Because I'm not much of a drawer. But let's see. I'll make a triangle... <laughs> and then another triangle. So if you fold all these in, you might be able to do it properly. Oh, gosh. You see what's going on there? Yeah, so the, so the Jewish star is a very serious symbol of spirituality, and it's got the six days, and they're they all unfolded. Enfo- really, really, everything's Shabbos, and that's why we call it, that's why we call this Shabbos place. It's it's really the center of the week. And then there's unfoldings. And that's why we call, for example, today's Yom Shlishi Shell Shabbos. And when we count the days, this is Yom Shlishi shel Shavas, the third day of Shabbos. It's an unfolding of it, of Shabbos, and then and then they and then they all fold in when we're back to the, the center of the week. You guys have been thinking Shabbos is the weekend. <laughs> it's not the weekend, it's the middle. It's the center of the week and it gives. Shabbos gives to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are sucking off. They're siphoning off the next Shabbos. Meaning they're pulling their energy from the coming Shabbos. And then you get back to Shabbos and then it gives. That's why you'll notice those who are praying every day. You'll notice that when we sing the song of the day tomorrow. Um, they, the last lines are L'Chu which is the beginning of Kabbalat Shabbat. The last lines of the of Wednesdays, which is the fourth day, starts with uh, the last lines is the first lines of Kabbalah Shabbat. Why? Because now we're entering into the energy of next Shabbat because we're going to be pulling from that energy of Shabbat, but everything flows from the, the center, which is Shabbos. Yeah? It's also the, uh, You can say Havdalah until Tuesday. Right, right. You can say Havdalah till Tuesday. There's one Rebbe who says Havdalah on Tuesday. That's the Rebbe who doesn't sleep. But now does, because he had a stroke. But he didn't sleep for over 50 years. Anyway, But he keeps Shabbos till Tuesday, which is important to know if you're, has, has, if you're his Hasidim. Because not only is he not coming to the phone, if you'd like to have him visit at a family event, well, let's say you're making a bris. Well, that's going to be the eighth day. So if you want him there, you're going to have to have it at his house. Because he's not going to be traveling till after Tuesday. Which Rebbe is this? The Amshin of a Rebbe. Jerusalem? Jerusalem, yeah. English speaking, from the U.S. And, uh, but he's like, he's, he's considered the prayer master of our generation. Every generation has a prayer master, and we're missing a lot of different kinds of masters this generation, but we do have a prayer master. And that's the option of a Rebbe, so considered the prayer master. He's also outside of time. So, like, right now, what is today? For all, he very well could be re- doing tomorrow's Torah reading. I saw yesterday we did Torah reading on Mondays. It could be he now finally got to Monday's Torah reading, meaning it's Monday morning for him now. Like he's not part of time. So he somehow keeps of of like Jewish schedule of prayer. Like ten- I don't know how he pulls it off. I really don't. And there's there's ten men who are nine men who are at all times in a, not nine, meaning there's nine people, but there's probably about 40 that your name's in the mix. So he always has a minion. So like you can get, a, you can get buzzed on your phone that we're going to need you there from 3 a.m. Remember, he's not sleeping for over 50 years. So we're going to need you there from 3 a.m. till 5 a.m. For those two hours, can you please be part of the minion? Because that's when he'll be at Shachar's. Shachri at three a.m. till five a.m. of the previous morning or two mornings. I, I don't know. I don't know how he does this. Now it, no, it gets really hairy when you got like Yom Kippur. You can't eat. You know, so what day is he on? Where is he at? And suddenly he can't eat. You know, it's, you know it's not so simple because he has to keep the torah, meaning he can disregard his time. He can. We're not allowed to. No man's allowed to ignore the rabbis when it comes to time, except for him. And. He can disregard time rabbinically, but he can't disregard the Torah, uh, time Torah, uh, Torahly biblically. Biblically. He can't, he can't ignore time biblically. So, for example, Passover night, like he can't be eating a sandwich. Yeah, he could be eating the hillel sandwich. That's about it. Okay. Now, um, where are we at? I'm talking about a million things at once. So I'm studying the Zohar on the fourth species. And it's talking about the sound of the tip of this palm frond that we're shaking. And it explains the reason why we shake that palm frond is because it pushes out the dark side, meaning all the forces of evil that come in to get us, not just because we're doing this super powerful mitzvah, which they're not happy about, but also... Throughout the year, because that's why we're doing it seven days. Anytime we do something seven days, it's for the whole year. You're in a sukkah with joy for seven days, the whole year. Okay, that's for your whole year. Everything we're doing, you're lighting Hanukkah candles there, it's eight days, but if it's going to hit seven, that's a, a year of light. Okay? Everything with sevens is for your year. You, a lot of people will ask you, like, in Hebrew, they'll say, Ech, um, ech Hayah um, uh, um, like a friend will say, how was Sukkos? And you, what you say back to him is, not how was Sukkos. Not how was Sukkos. How did Sukkos go in? Meaning, Sukkos is a download. Those seven days are a download of joy. In a month and a half, we're going to have a download of light. Purim, we're going to have a download of stuff that would take me five hours to explain. <laughs> Purim's really intense. Um, it's just one quick day, but it's whoa. And then uh, Pesach's a download of freedom. Shavu is a download of Torah. These are downloads of our year. We're picking things up. This is why I always tell people that when it comes to studying Torah in Israel, which you guys got to do, sorry about you on the screen, unless you're watching this here, um, and that, that studying Torah in Israel for people who didn't grow up keeping Torah, I tell them that 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 you got three weeks of essentials is to get your head on straight, which I call worldview. Anyone who sits in this class for three weeks knows more than a reform rabbi when it comes to how we look at the world. When I don't know, current event, whatever's going on right now. Uh, you got the you know the, the green world, that's the post sixties millennial. You know, egalitarian, feminist, you know, uh, gender neutral uh, racial politics, I don't know what you call the thing, but uh, today they're calling it green, by the way. So if you ever heard of someone talk about green, that's that's it's kind of gotten this nickname now, just to because it's just got too many words the whole thing. but uh, but if all if you're in this class for three weeks and then you go back to wherever you're from, and now you're getting more pressure from all that world, which is the whole media. It's all the, all the academics of universities and stuff. It's all the high schools and everything. It's, it's just being shoved down your throat by, by the, the liberal left. All you need is three weeks here. You come back you're just like, you just, you're made of Teflon. You're just made of Teflon. Like, like You'll be back wherever you're from. You're just like, it means nothing to me. Like I, I am not that, and that doesn't mean anything to me. Now, in three weeks, you're not going to be able to answer them if you got an argument. You're not going to be able to fight back, but at least you're Teflon now. It just slides off. You know, it just it's you're nonstick for all that stuff they're going to try to shove down your throat out there, and you should know that if, if God forbid, they don't stop it, meaning if it doesn't end quickly it will be death and destruction. And I can explain to you why, not just using Stalin as an example, because he was in that camp and more people died as a result of that camp through Stalin than maybe perhaps some, any period in history. So it's absolute death and destruction where that leads. But a lot of you might say, wow, well, no one's going to death and destruction. Everyone's like playing, everyone's pinning daisies on your shirt, man. We're all the same. We're all one, you know, like no, doesn't sound like death and destruction to me. It sounds like love except what we all have. And this is something Judaism gets that they don't get is we all have a dark side. We got a dark side. And that's what kind of this class has been all about. We spoke about dark side. That's not you. It's dark side. That's kind of PO that you showed up with your four species. Okay. We got dark side after you for that. We got dark side after people in the Amazon for, I don't know, eating chocolate. But we've got dark side inside. There's dark side in you, man. Any of you think you couldn't be, I mean, you're Jewish, so probably not. But any of you couldn't think, don't think you couldn't have been a part of Stalin's death camps as an officer running the camp. Any of you don't think that could be you means you're the most dangerous person in this room because that means you're denying your dark side. And that is really the this, this secret danger of the liberal left is that n- there's no dark side. Please don't give my kid a grade anymore. Don't let them feel bad about themselves. They should only feel good about themselves. There should be no more bullies. We're not going to educate kids how to deal with being bullied. We're just going to eradicate mean tyrants. We're going to make everyone equal. Everyone's got to feel good. No one should make more money because he happens to be better at brain surgery. Whereas you all know, you know, throw as much money as you can to people who are smart enough to open a person's brain. Because if they're operating on your father, you want the guy who was best for it. And you want to throw money at people like that. You want to make people want to do that job if they're that smart. Because uh, if I were that smart, I would not want to do that job. But you start throwing money that way. Maybe I'll be willing to touch the inside of people's brains all day. You want to throw money on those people. But no, it's not ego- equal. And so what happens, they deny the dark side. They don't want to say there's such a thing as dark side. And this is all you should know. It's all outcome. Back to the... Mind expanding substances, this is all a direct outcome of when those plant medicines, including the chemical compounds of LSD, hit the streets of the U.S. And people realized, hey, wow. I mean, it's kind of like Shema Israel. They're all like, wow, it's all one. It's all one. We're all the same. We're all equal. And so they took what should have been the nicest message in the world because we're all about that message. We don't need the drugs. But we've got the message. We know we're all the same. We know we're all equal. But at the same time, Judaism clearly distinguishes skill sets. You're really good at something or you're particularly smart. So we want you to be making more money than someone who's... You know, a little more going to be building homes with a hammer and nails. We want you making more money, even though you seem to be doing less. But there's things that we need you for. And we want you making more money. And we want the most qualified people doing the most difficult tasks that require, you know, intense amounts of intelligence, lots of intelligence. But these people in the 60s, the hippies of the 60s, who basically have inherited... Western Civ, And they're also in Western Europe. These people inherited the 60s. Are, are, they took the good lessons, but they forgot, they don't have Torah. They don't have this understanding. And by the way, if you do have this understanding, they will vilify you. You are the villain. Jews today are the villain of these people. These are the people behind BDS which is just a, a, a veiled version of, of Nazism. I mean, the, the, all we've done in the state of Israel is help these people. They wouldn't have cell phones if it wasn't for us. And their big, uh, you know, their automated cars they're so excited about, like, good luck doing that without Israelis, having your car drive itself. You know, they're they're happy to use our products, but when it comes to to what they inherited from the sixties, a total washout total washout of the and a misunderstanding of the oneness of all of us, due to chemical compounds that went into their bloodstream at rock concerts. And to the point of not recognizing the dark inside. Because they're really, when they're on those things, there's no dark inside. It's good. It, it's good. Those chemicals are good for just letting everything be light. And you come out of that experience, and you feel like your dark side's gone, but it's not gone. And people who are not at rock concerts who take those t- kinds of chemical compounds more seriously. Shalom, welcome. How you doing? Thanks for coming up from the wall. I know when you come with this rabbi, you're from the wall, so you're off the wall. Um, when the uh, when the when those people took those chemical compounds at rock concerts, of course, taking LSD to rock concert is going to be fun, and it's going to be light. But but people are a little more serious about their lives, who who are. Deeper investigators into those compounds meet the dark side. They don't have one issue. They don't have that hippie liberal left washout. People are serious about these compounds from the Amazon and all these different compounds. They know a lot about the dark side. They're not denying it. They're facing it. They're really hyper aware of the dark. I personally believe the ones I've met are more aware of the dark side than than ultra-Orthodox Jews. Who you'd think are really good at the dark side because, you know, they're always talking about the Yetzirah and the the evil inclination, etc. Except what? What's their problem? What's the problem with Orthodox Jews in the dark side? Is that they think that if you just keep the laws of Torah, meaning if you just avoid the don't do's, you know, all the don't do's. If you just avoid all those don't do's and all the details, and there's lots of them, that you no no longer are are subject to the dark side. What it, it, it does defeat it, but that you don't have a dark side because right. you're, you don't have a dark side, dark sides going to leave you alone. It's a, you're suddenly exempt from the dark side because you don't eat pork. It so gets stronger. Like yeah, Right. Well, maybe it gets stronger, but I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much. The dark side loves someone who thinks it doesn't affect them. You know why? Because now it's duck, duck hunting season and you're the duck. Because you're, you're, you're you don't know when to duck. <laughs> Speaking of ducks, you don't know when to duck. Because you think you beat the dark side because you're Miss, Miss Halacha. You're Mr. Halacha. And I know people like this. I've had to deal with people like this. And they're no fun because I'm quite aware of my dark side. And I'm a Halacha guy. Big time. And I'm also a very good boy. Do do but I'm aware of my dark side I'm aware of my dark side. And because I'm aware of my dark side, I will not be the officer of a death camp for Stalin. Because, I, because if you're aware of that dark side, you're watching for it. You grow muscles to protect yourself from it. You're someone who's vigilant against it. And it's so easy to whitewash that dark side with being Mr. Orthodox Jew. And turn everything into Uncle Moishi. <laughs> well, meanwhile, you're just like, I mean, you're not even drinking caffeine before shakhirs. You know, you you don't even daven. You don't believe there are certain people that can destroy it completely. The dark side? Yeah. <laughs> destroy it completely. Um... There have been individuals in the past, and there may be in the future such people. Um, that, for example, we know that all the years that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who's the author of the Zohar, all the years that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was alive, there was never a rainbow in the sky. Now, I happen to like rainbows, so maybe I wouldn't have been that happy about it. But, but the rainbow's a sign that God sees. I know when you read the book of Noah, that it's, you thought it was a sign for us that God will never destroy the world again? No, who's the sign for? It's for God. Meaning when God's looking at our planet and he's just like, oh man, forget it. I'm pulling the plug. What does he do? He makes a rainbow and reminds himself, so to speak. Obviously, this is all, we're impersonating, we're giving people stuff on God. God's not a person who needs reminding. Nor does God regret anything, because God's the one doing everything. But yet, the Parsha of Noah said, he, the right before the Parsha of Noah, it says he regretted having created the world, whatever that means. But God sees his rainbow and says, ah, don't destroy the world. Now, all the years Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai on your question Mayor, all the years Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai was in the world, there was no rainbow. He was the rainbow. Meaning, he was the guy that just knowing he was around, you knew we were safe. He was the rainbow. That's what it says, that he was the rainbow. Cause he, as long as he was around, God would not destroy the place. Um, you know, they say that about, um, certain rabbis, like they used to say that about Rav Noach Weinberg. Rav Noach Weinberg, he, uh, created a Torah. and, and, you know, here it was like the Baal movement was just flying. People were like, people were like chasing down sitsis makers just to put them on you know like it was like judaism was the most popular thing since sliced bread at that point this was like this was like 1970s till about 2005 maybe i don't know how long it lasted but it was a while and so there were i i heard someone say that they were they're very scared of flying anyone here ever had a fear of flying i mean all of us have a little fear i mean you got some fear but there was someone who could not fly i mean they were petrified and they, But they had to go somewhere. It was, like, some emergency. They had to go somewhere. It was a funeral. I don't know what it was. They had to go. So, so they're on the plane, and they're, like, seriously going into a panic attack. And they've just closed the door. So it's, like, now they're getting, like, a, a claustrophobic, too. And they're, like, ah. So, so he was starting to freak. When, um, when all of a sudden he sees, walking down the aisle, Rav Noach Weinberg. And all his panic attack. Just disappear, because he knew that this rabbi on this plane, it's gonna make it. There's no way this plane's going down. Generation needs him too much. Meaning, all the engines could just fall off the plane and it will glide. You know, it'll <laughs> glide to a runway somewhere. You know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway ever since I heard that story which was many years ago I was like a young guy like these guys is. I was just sitting in this class like trying to just get like the THC out of my bloodstream you know and so but I heard that story while I was sitting in one of these classes like this you know I had long hair and stuff and, and you know what I said to myself sitting there with my long hair and like you know just trying to pay attention the um, I said to myself I want to beat that guy I want to beat someone who made such a difference in the world that that me being on an airplane makes everyone relax. Be that guy. Be the guy who's so important for the generation that, that God's got to protect your travels because you're making that kind of difference. And ever since then, I went for it. I'm still going for it. Not even right now, I'm, like, I'm on this like crossroads that I need so much courage to even face. But I feel like I'm on a crossroads now. And uh, what is the next move for me? So I'm definitely, I'm in, I'm in that place right now. Cause I, I think if I stay in this holding pattern, I'm not sure the flights are so safe. I feel like they've been very safe till now, but I feel like, I got to make some moves. Not sure what to do, but uh, got some ideas. But all of them are pretty hairy. You had a question, yeah? yeah um, or a comment? But we're all important for this generation. It's so we that we're all here. You know? so. For sure, it's just not necessarily keeping a plane up. Why not? Because <laughs> planes go down. You know, planes go down with Jews on them. You know, and Gentiles who are very important. Yes. You mentioned before that to get rid of the dark side, just not doing the lesson, you know, like, the light side It's definitely not going to get rid of the dark side. Would you like to like, do doing assey is very different Doing what? is actually very different to that. Like it does help get rid of it. no, um, it's an interesting question. He asked if the positive commandments get rid of dark side, and the answer is they don't. They uh, actually invite it. <laughs> like for example, the mitzvah of doing the Lula. That invites dark side. Now, some mitzvahs invite more than others. Like, for example, um, prayer is a little more dangerous. So that's why there's certain parts of prayer we flip to Aramaic. Why? Because the because the, the all those deities throughout the world, meaning all those beings out there, that tr- they their job is just transmitting. They transmit. Like, how do you think you're in a room right now? We're only in a room right now because God's saying, for example, let there be, you know, earth upon the water. And that created minerals, and hence we're in this cement-steel-reinforced building. He also said, let there be vegetation upon the earth. And that's how I'm wearing cotton shirt. That's how there's wood on this board, and there's wood paneling back here. But him saying that, and it happening, has to go through a whole system. And by the way, those those, you know, the shamans in the jungles... I asked you, do you think they're into deities? And the answer is, you bet they're into deities. And then i they also have to go through systems. They're going through systems. So as the ones in India and all the different aboriginal leaders are going through the system. Rabbis are going through Oh, through yeah. Systems? So well, what I was going to say is, you think they're into it. They don't have the details. We actually have the details. I could show you a list of, of hundreds of beings whose last name is Tron. Meaning this Tron and that Tron and this Tron and that Tron, which is very interesting that we say protons, neutrons, electrons. And I even know the name of the top Tron. And we don't say that name and I'm not going to say, it, um, but it's very interesting that the top Tron, cause he's the top of the entire heap, like meaning the whole creation is flowing through that Tron. Trons are very high and they're the highest. And the top Tron whose name we don't say, but it <coughs> begins with M E T A, which is kind of funny um, that that's what it's called. But we don't use that term. Because you got you don't want to mess with saying that anyway. But that top trons, everything's running through that tron, and the and so they don't know that stuff. You're good luck finding some guy with a bone through his nose knowing anything about trons. They don't know that stuff. They know low, 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 low level stuff, I meaning way down the system. They don't have access to that stuff. Why do we have access to that stuff? Because when you're when you're eating, you know whatever drinking chocolate brew or the caffeine brews or all their other brews, which are probably stronger, I'm sure you're, you're going down up. So you only get to know the ones that are down below. Where do you think prophecy comes from down up or up down prophecy? Prophecy's up down. Well, our whole tradition, the whole tradition of Israel is an up. We're an up down tribe. We're the only up down tribe. And that's why we're not into ingesting things, right? We don't ingest things. I mean, besides coffee in the morning, obviously. But just kidding. We're, we're not ingesters. Meaning ingesting things to get to a high level. To move up the system. We're, we're trying to bring We're We're like, yeah. I want to get myself so cleaned out spiritually that God starts talking through me up down. And I want to know enough Kabbalah that I'm able to access the trunks and start, you know, moving around those places where, you know, that's like serious sci-fi thriller go into those areas. But we know the stuff because the rabbis wrote it down when the Romans were after us. The rabbis are like, we better start writing quick because this ain't going to last long. Meaning this kind of information is going to be disappearing really quickly with what we were going through because we had a full Holocaust. Second Temple destruction of the Romans was a full-on Holocaust. And even worse than the one under the Nazis because that Holocaust came with losing our nation. Losing our temple, losing all the secrets and everything we knew from Sinai. And so they just were like, write, 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 write. And they just started writing. And some of the rabbis are like, we're not allowed to write this stuff. And they're like, write it anyway. You know, write it. You know, so that's why you can look at some of these books are oral tradition, you know, Mishnah, Gemara, you know, Zohar. All of that's oral. And that's why, if you notice, when you open a Mishnah, it's so cryptic. Like, if you want to say something, say it like don't encrypt don't encrypt it like that the reason is why it's so cryptic to to keep it what to keep it oral the reason why torah is so hard to learn is so that you got to talk it out with somebody i learned a piece today that was like not a million years could you have understood it if someone wasn't sitting across from you just banging it out with you you know there's no way i would have gotten that It had to be an oral discussion that got us to what they were saying. Now, once we got it, we look back and we're like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what it's saying. But it was encrypted. And Kabbalah is like triple encryption, quadruple encryption. Some stuff's hundreds of levels of encryption. You know, they had a rule for Ashkenazim that you had to be 40, know all the Torah, and like all these rules before you can read that stuff. Did you know that that's not even relevant anymore? (laughs) Because none of us would understand it. It's so encrypted It doesn't matter how old you are. You'll never, you can't comprehend it to be a danger to yourself or others. The problem was there was a time where even young people had that level of scholarship that they could read really dangerous stuff and then be of danger. Today, that's not good luck. You know, like good luck comprehending any of it. You can't understand a word of it. And and, And this with translating each word, I mean, I can read Aramaic. I can translate the words of a lot of this stuff. I can even get the whole sentence, you know, uh translated. What it's talking about, God knows. So it's hardly dangerous. So even the 40-year-old Kabbalah uh, restriction process that only Ashkenazim embraced Fardeh are like, forget about it. You know, like, we're not into that. You know, like we're not banning Kabbalah. I mean, it's like what is that? You know, like it's like a prohibition. But the ashkenazi community was reeling from a false messiah who had duped the jewish people into believing he was the messiah using god's names witchcraft. and and it's not witchcraft but he was using god's names to do stuff that was causing I mean, I didn't say witchcraft. I said I which ended come yeah. for ashkenaz at least in the general population Stayed in the scholarship okay now uh, we're basically going to wrap this baby up. It's just that uh, there was one more thing I'm in the middle of that I had to wrap up. Um, how do we get on this? We're talking about writing it down, writing down the Trons. Oh, is that we have way more detail about all of these powers that be. We know it all. Like we know way, way more than the Aboriginal medicine chief. Believe me, we know a lot more and way higher up the system because we're an up-down, we're, we're a prophecy community. And I'd like all of you to start feeling the prophecy, by the way. I don't mean prophecy, prophecy, but feeling it. Because if you're keeping Shabbat, well, how do you know about Shabbat? We have a book from a prophetic experience at Sinai that says keep Shabbat. So when you're doing Shabbat, man, you're, you're doing the prophecies. If you're wearing sithis, you're in prof- prophecy land. You're wearing the black box tefillin, you're in prophecy land. You're hanging in a sukkah, that's prophecy. We are living prophecy, man. Don't, don't think it's just, oh, I'm doing some commandment. You're involved in prophecy. You're aligning yourself with what prophets align themselves with in order to receive prophecy. But all our commandments are really prophetic commandments. And the negative ones are how to get out of the way so that, so that you're not in the way of things flowing. And the positive commandments start to get yourself really connected. But to answer your question, Is that? Oh, I'd mention also in prayer we switch some things to Aramaic because the those when you oh by the way prayer is going up the system and when you go up the system the system doesn't like some of that stuff it wants to knock you down so we flip it to Aramaic the angelic beings don't understand Aramaic so what do they do they send it through phonetically because they have to send through they send it through phonetically they don't know what in the world they're doing Kaddish for example Yisgadeo Yisqadal. Don't say Yisqadal. Say it's Aramaic. You send through the Aramaic that the angelic forms have no idea what's going on. So they're just transmitting what the, they're doing their job. And God rearranges it back to what it means when you send it. And that's why it's important to have Kavanah there. Because without the Kavanah, then it's just going to stay phonetically gerbiled into Aramaic. What is the uh, Just meaning? the sounds. And that's why uvaletzion, uh, all that Aramaic there, is. It says specifically in the instructions: make sure you concentrate, because otherwise it'll stay gerbled, it'll stay jumbled in the Aramaic. Aramaic is just jumbled Hebrew; it'll stay jumbled when it gets up there. So when we say the uvaletzion, you have to concentrate on the Aramaic, because that that kavana will unfold it when you when it gets upstairs. Shalom, everybody, and it's a pleasure as usual. You...